podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing Independent Derby County podcast. It's an extra unscheduled episode from us this weekend in light of last week's developments. The Rams are almost certainly League One bound, you'd have to say, but a brighter future does await after Quantuma finally made their big announcement on taking the club out of administration. I am Chris Parsons. Thank you ever so much for giving us your time and lending us your ears hungover Richard Cutchard's here. So what else is new? You right? Yes, what else is new? Who knew that having a girlfriend and them having a birthday was such a pain in the ass in terms <laughs> of uh, my week, my weekend plans? But I think, I think Chris, you, your your wife and daughter he- head off, didn't they, for the weekend, which meant, I imagine, after you got back from your long trip from Swansea, that you were sat at, at home watching Match of the Day in your pants, I imagine is probably the way to go. Uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I thought to myself, <laughs> my wife and, and daughter are away all weekend, so what, what can I really... what? nourishing life enriching activity can i do this weekend to really make the most of it um and then i ignored that and decided to go to swansea instead uh so it was yeah a difficult afternoon but uh, but a great day out and we'll come on to that in a minute but it has been a big week for derby county we've all been waiting on social media for the news would he return is he back is there cause for fresh optimism but yes we can confirm that Jimmy McLaughlin is back on Steve Bloomer's <laughs> washing. How are you, Jim? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. Lovely to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Jim. And uh, yeah, before we move on, don't forget Steve Bloomer's washing's partnered with our friends at Derby Brewing Company. But uh, yeah, Jim, as uh, we've just talked about there, I was I was at Swansea, um, and an eighth away league defeat in a row for the Rams. Uh, Rooney said before the game that he could see a future for Derby County after the uh, preferred bidder news at the end of last week. But that future isn't going to be in the championship for now. Let's face it, as two goals in the first 16 minutes condemned the Rams to another loss on the road, leaving us nine points adrift with five games to go. Kutch, I'll come to you first. It was just, in many ways, you look at the goals and it was uh, a performance that was typical of the sort of loss of fight and, and loss of concentration we've showed at times on the road, wasn't it? Yeah, just that first 15, 20 minutes killed us, really. I think Swansea obviously on a real high after their, their win against Cardiff and Derby didn't really, weren't really awake those first 15, 20 minutes and, and Swansea are, are too good a team to give them that space, to stand off them. The, the first goal was just, no one was near the, the ball in and no one was near the player arriving uh, when he put it in and Derby played well I think after that but it was too late you know it's all well and good playing well when you're already 2-0 down you, you've got to start the game better and brighter and, and they, they gave themselves an uphill struggle it was already a tough away game we've played Swansea at probably their highest moment of the season I think that was the first time they've won three games in a row all season they haven't really got anything to play for they're, they're too far away from the playoffs really eight points I think now but they're a good team and Derby the, the disappointing thing as you said there Chris is it does look like it's um, too much to, to do now for Derby you, you, you're looking for a complete miracle but there have been opportunities on the road where we could have picked up something I was at Luton I thought we could have got something at Luton I, I, we should have got something should have got something at Cardiff if, if we turned up and I thought there was at least a point there yesterday even though the poor start so disappointing but ultimately it's going to be the way in form that uh, costs us 
performance this season. Jim, what did you make of it? Not just a pretty poor performance all round, really, despite a bit of a recovery after uh, after we're two 0 down. Yeah, I just don't understand why we do start games quite so slowly. I mean, we've had some amazing finishes this season, but there does seem to be a sort of, I don't know if it's naivety, that seems a bit of a simplistic way to to put it down to that. Um, but it's it's a massive problem. I mean, perhaps we can you know try and look at the positives and maybe it's the fact that the fans make such an enormous difference at, at Pride Park. But it does just seem to be that we just completely go into our shell when we're on the on the road and there really isn't much there. And, and like you say, it's, it's what is going to cost us the chance of, of having a crack at staying up on the last day. Yeah, I, don't, I think naivety is, is a really good word for it, really, because you look at those two goals we've conceded, Swansea's Dutch forward Joel Piro getting both of them. And to be fair, it did take them both very well, but the game was basically over before it had really started. Like the first goal, just good old-fashioned lack of marking, like one cross takes essentially our entire back four out of the game. And I think it's Buchanan at the back post who's, who's ball watching. All Piro has to do is just step off a little bit, drop off a couple of yards and the entire like Davis and Cashin and Buchanan and Byrne have all been sucked in a bit and he's got the space to just pick his spot in the bottom corner. Decent finish, yes. And then the second goal was, uh, I couldn't really believe what I see in having travelled 223 miles and got up at half six to see that sort of god-awful defending. Like two half-hearted clearances and one giving away of the ball in what, about 10 seconds, I thought. I think it's I think it's first Cashin who tries to tries to who has a bit more time than he thinks, but sort of scuffs it to a Swansea player. Then Bielik tries to nod it to Lawrence. He gives it away 25 yards out. The ball goes in, and Davis tries sort of panics a little bit and tries to hack it clear. And maybe he could have dealt with that better. And then suddenly Perro's got another chance, which again he takes very well. But yeah, just two of the easiest chances really that Piro will have this season and yeah a massively disappointing way to uh to, to give two goals away coach I thought yeah I thought Bielik and Lawrence should should know a lot better there I mean Bielik can be guilty of being a bit too casual in, in kind of his own half in that situation but there were there was no space to do that it's okay to kind of try and be a bit cute with a header down and kind of play a bit of one touch when you're on the halfway line or or in the opposite in the opposition's half but I just thought from Lawrence maybe I'm being harsh on Lawrence because I think Bielik put Lawrence in a bit of an ump impossible situation Lawrence tr- tried to put his foot on it to get it under control it was a it was a poor knockdown from Bielik uh, with his head but Lawrence probably just should have put his foot through it at that point but I thought those two those two should know better Cashin and may- maybe Cashin's initial clearance wasn't great the Curtis Davis I wouldn't put any blame on it and it, w- it was a good finish P- Piero's obviously in, in great form I think that's like 18 goals now this season for him and that's exactly you know that's something else that Derby lack you know for me that away form, if CKR had been uh, been fit for the last few weeks or, or he had injury problems earlier in the season as well, I think he would have made a bit of difference on the road. He was often involved in those kind of late uh, late equalizers like against Reading and, and, uh, and such like. So it was naivety, but I do think some of those players, you know, we have got some experience or, or some kind of older players in there that maybe should know better. Yeah, he talks about CKR possibly coming back in there. And I think one of the things I was so disappointed with yesterday was Plange's performance. Like, I don't know whether he's just really tired, having to have to lead the line for as many games in a row as he has, or if he just doesn't look as bothered anymore. Now he's maybe trying to make sure he doesn't get a long-term injury before he goes to for pre-season at Palace. I don't know, but yeah, I wasn't impressed with him yesterday at all. But Jim, if you come on to our general 
performances at the moment. And I feel like Swansea was definitely a performance of a team who had lost seven away games on the spin. That fight that we showed around Christmas just seems to have deserted us quite a lot in recent games. And But is that really that surprising given what's happened to, to the squad since then? You know, like Jagielka gone, Shinny gone, Juzviet gone, others gone or going. Like, do you put the blame on players starting to phone it in a bit or is this just the season catching up with a squad that was very stretched to begin with? I think it is just the latter there. I think it's just the season catching up with the players, to be honest, and the legs and the and the steam just going really i think that's what is happening i think your point there about plans and just like leading the line every single week and the pressure that that has takes a huge amount of toll on kind of players that don't have a lot of experience and i think that is effectively what we're seeing is it just feels that some of these games are, are just a step too far and that is becoming the the problem and we're just going behind so early in games and really struggling to kind of come back. You know, people like, you know, young players are going to be in and out of form a lot more. You know, Cashin has come in and been brilliant in his first few games, but you know, has struggled and, and been caught out a couple of times lately as well. But that can't be surprised by that. You know, he's a 19-year-old centre-half playing in the Championship. He's done incredibly well. And so that is, you know, what one of the, it's going to be one of the factors in, in what, sends us down I think is that we haven't been able to sign any reinforcements um, during the January period and that is is just so much to ask of a squad they were performing amazingly well around Christmas and the new year and really giving it a go and like you say I just think it's catching up with them. I know a lot of fans have been kind of questioning uh, Plange's attitude since he, he got that move at the end of January it did kind of coincide with his form tailing off a little bit I would be a little bit cautious though of putting of kind of reading too much into it as, as Jimmy said and we've said on the podcast throughout this season young players go through hot and cold form and normally you're in the position of a squad say with Colin Kazim Richards where you could take Plange out of the starting lineup for a few weeks and give him a breather and let him go again and we just haven't had that luxury at all similar with Cashin I don't think Cashin's done much wrong at all but putting Jackie Elka out of that team was absolutely huge like that that whole team could look back and see Curtis Davis and Phil Jagielka there at centre-back and know that you're going to stay in games and Jagielka obviously is, is good in the ball as well you know Graham Shinney having that extra body in midfield was would have been absolutely huge Liam Thompson's come out for for quite a few weeks now a bit longer than I thought he'd come out he came back in yesterday I thought he looked quite good I thought he looked a bit bit more lively I do think we probably miss Max Bird but probably Max Bird having a bit of a rest probably doesn't do him doesn't do him any harm either so I think it's just that these players have given everything and I wouldn't really blame them if some players did have an eye on next season or did have an eye on their future, but I don't think they're going out there not to get injured or going out there and just phoning it in. because I just don't think that's the kind of players they are. And I think Rooney would be onto them in a flash if that's what they were doing. I just think, as Jimmy said, they're shattered and they're young, they're young players. They're going to have peaks and troughs of form. Yeah, that's true. And uh, either way, the, the performance was, was very disappointing, but Rooney, interestingly, put a lot of it on the officials once again. Like I think it's a few weeks ago that he was absolutely livid in his post-match on Sky. And then after the after the game against Swansea, he was referring to an incident late on where um, where Sobolski appeared to be pulled down in the box. And he talked about how blatant a penalty that was. Rooney, this is unbelievable. Rooney said, I think everyone in the stadium agrees it was a penalty. The Swansea manager, the Swansea staff, the Swansea fans, Derby players, staff, fans, everyone saw it as a penalty apart from the four officials. I've said it time and again, I understand it's difficult to give when it is a tight one. When it is a clear, obvious foul on penalty, 
it leaves a lot of questions I have to ask the officials. I hope the referee gets banned and fined because that is not good enough. I mean, this is all very well, but it did strike me as a pretty unsubtle, about as subtle as a brick deflection tactic, perhaps from um, from, from Wayne learning from the best. There, I mean, you can't you can't really ban it. You can't really ban the ref for not giving a penalty like like that, can you? Especially, and he seems to conveniently ignore the incident involving. Ryan Allsop and Jamie Patterson in the first half where, where Allsop could have easily been in extremely bad trouble. What was your take on on those comments there, Jim? Look, I think you're right. It's the classic kind of deflection tactic. Uh, you know, take the pressure away from, from the young players, Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, everything is against us type thing. I mean, but the, the broader point about the standard of refereeing in the championship has just been appalling. And like you say, I mean, we... I think yesterday we got a couple of you know sort of favourable decisions. There was a Curtis Davis um, handball in the first half as well, which I don't think we could have been too upset by if a penalty had, had been given there. So I do think that the the broader point that Rooney's making about something needs to be done, even when we've been got Premier League referees down. You know, we had Mike Dean for the Middlesbrough game, and there were a catalogue of errors in that as well. So I do think it's a real issue for the league actually in terms of how they kind of take this forward but I, I think primarily it's a kind of it, it's a de- deflection tactic from from Rooney look let's be honest the referee's not going to get any better in league one either <laughs> yes, is it I mean in theory it's, it's going to get it's going to get a lot worse and it's not great in the Premier League as you said when Mike Dean came down and we and we all watched you know Premier League every weekend as well there, there is definitely a broader issue there I don't know what the fix is so I don't think we should get into it because I, I just think it's a much bigger training and cultural issue with the, the way that referees emerge and, and trained and also the way referees are not looked after at a much lower lower level you know there's there's no why would you as a young kid want to be a referee when you just get shouted abuse at for for 90 minutes from from angry parents so i think there's a much much bigger issue there i think rooney i think maybe some of it was a deflection tactic he's definitely gone down that route a couple of times now and just in the last few weeks i've mentioned on the pod before but i've been surprised at how calm he's generally been throughout most of the season on the touchline we all remember him as a player you know really balling people out particularly referees um in the middle of matches and we hadn't really seen that um he really went for the fourth official at full time yesterday and kind of going back to that wider cultural problem in in refereeing like the fourth officials you can see him standing there and he's just saying what me like what have i got to do with it like it's just that kind of past the blame culture and there's no one that's held accountable for poor refereeing decisions it was a penalty yesterday most of the angles don't really show it because the last few angles or the last few seconds of most angles you see it's kind of six of one half a dozen half a dozen of the other but it's a wider angle earlier on where the defender's got his arm around Sabolski's neck and Sabolski's like eight foot five so i don't know how he's even reaching that high to, to kind of put his arm around his neck but it is a penalty all stop one yeah i don't think we could have complained if he was sent off and it was it was a free kick i think patterson went down far too easy i think all just stays just stays goal side puts his body across and in lots of parts of the of the pitch that wouldn't be given as a free kick if it was just a regular defender on an attacker because he just steps across so i think i can kind of see why the referee didn't give it but i wouldn't have been surprised if he had the Curtis Davis handball, I think it'd be harsh, but his his arm is his arm is out. Abioe went down too easy in the first half. It wasn't a penalty, so it's just there's no agenda. We've said it before. It's just crap refereeing, and it's inconsistent because it's crap. I do think the point around Rooney remaining calm a lot of the time is is a good one. And there was the football focus piece a few weeks ago where they asked some of the players, you know, does he give the hairdryer treatment out and so on? And it was quite interesting that 
they sort of said, no, not really. And Rooney commented himself, you know, there's not a lot of point at me losing it at a bunch of of young players all the time. Like it did, that's that's not going to be kind of helpful and productive. And like you say, it's a it's kind of a big contrast to the way that he played. And so I do think it's yeah. kind of it's an interesting kind of side note on that. Yeah, well, bad refereeing decisions or not, it's uh, yeah, it does leave Derby with a, an absolute mountain to climb. And you'd, yeah, you'd say the miracle is looking uh, less and less likely if not impossible by now but uh well we still go to qpr won't we coach so yeah that's what was a, that's what's a fun day out i would say chris look I, I agree with you i think it's highly unlikely if if not impossible that we'll stay up now i will say to you that in december we won three out of four and we're now in a position where we've probably got a win of four out of five maybe even five out of five or get four wins and the draw to have any chance because reading probably need to win two games and then we can't catch them at all and the games we've got left are potentially winnable you beat fulham on friday which we're capable of doing at home we get an unlikely win away at qpr <laughs> and then it's back on right so oh don't make me start to hope and to dream again i just <laughs> i've resigned myself to that this morning I've been looking at the fixtures all morning. I just, I can see a way where we, we still give ourselves a chance. We've said, Tom and I have said all season, if you're within four points with with two games to go, you, you take it. That That's still possible. It's Of course, it's reliant on Reading really crumbling again. They should have won yesterday. They didn't. So they've left the door slightly ajar. I think if we had CKR fit, we had Phil Jagielka, we had Graham Shiddy, we had Juzvac, you know, just that bigger squad options, we'd, we'd have a much better chance. I'd have much more confidence we could put that run together. We have had that kind of run before. Can we do it one more time? I don't know, Jim. I mean, Kutch says the door is slightly ajar, but for me, <laughs> the door's closed, the Yale lock's on, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah, the EFL have got the keys in their hands ready to ready to put the uh, the big lock on the bottom of the door for me. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm with you uh, on this, Chris. Uh, but it's great to hear Kutch's optimism on it. But I just I can't really see a way that it that it kind of happens now. I mean, I suppose it is just that point that a lot of the teams that we have left to play perhaps don't have that much to play for and so on. But I just, I can't, I just cannot see the route that we're able to kind of make it. Well, we basically need to win all five games. Right, so it's um, yeah, that is going to be tough, and we've been saying that for a, a little while that yeah, you know, we need to win win so many of them, and I just can't, I just can't see it. Um, and I think it's it's time to start preparing as as fans to to get the old A to Z out and start working out some League One grounds to uh, to look forward to. I tell you what, just just before we do that, I'll tell you one thing: under the lights, Friday night, Fulham at home, magic. I can see it, Cameron Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit of Cameron Jerome that's what we've been reduced to asking for uh, yeah look it's uh, things are on the downturn on the pitch but uh, as we will discuss in part two the future long term future of the club is hopefully looking up after the announcement of Chris Kirchner as Derby County's preferred bidder so more on that in a second and uh, don't forget you can you can still sign up to Steve Bloomer's Washings patron service uh, where we offer an extra bonus podcast each month. The one for April was uh, was Kutch and Jimmy talking about the, uh, the famous 3-2 win at Old Trafford against Man United in 1997 and our planned episode for May, 15 years on from Derby County's last promotion to the Premier League is a look back. That crazy playoff campaign against Southampton and West Brom in the 06-07 season. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing 
to sign up now. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Green and edges forward. Plays it up into the edge of the box. Even there, a quick turn there by Carbonari. Volpe makes the grab. It's the ball! Carbonari! Horacio from Rosario has surely settled it. What a piece of Argentine dexterity. Edge of the box, holds off three players. Left, then to the right, rolls it just in front of himself, just as it seemed to be gone, and he shot bullet hard to the bottom left-hand corner of Crosley's net. 85 minutes gone. Derby County 1, Nottingham Forest nil. Right then, so big news for Derby County fans last week. Just when we thought (laughs) it wasn't happening anymore and we're starting to fear the worst once again, Quantuma released their statement last week revealing that uh, they've selected Chris Kirchner as preferred bidder to take Derby County out of administration. Just when we thought he was out, Kirch and Jimmy... He's back in. Incredible. The man who uh, who led a party who put in a formal offer at the end of last year, then withdrew that offer in late December. Uh, in the meantime, had a little flirt with Preston, almost uh, approached them for a takeover. But now apparently the goalposts have changed. You would imagine the fact that we're worth presumably a fair bit less now than we were four months ago due to having fewer players Maybe that was a factor and it's believed that movement on the stadium deal has been a huge factor as part of it as well. But yeah, Kirchner is the man in the driving seat. He's got exclusivity. He is the bidder who's going to be presented to the EFL for their fit and proper persons test by Quantuma. And hopefully in the next couple of months, maybe we can look forward to a fresh start, albeit possibly a minus 15 in League One, but a fresh start and brighter days ahead. It's a really interesting one. Last time... Kirsten was involved. He was very uh, active and responsive on Twitter. Nothing's changed. He's still very public, still even doing Q&As with Derby fans about his plans and the bid. I mean, there's so much to, to, to get through here, chaps. So I've just sort of taken away a few a few key messages from Kirchner, really. Those being, he addressed things like the funding, like, you know, where's the money coming from? Whose is it? And he said, uh, the deal is solely me at this point from a financial perspective and is not dependent on anyone else, but I may bring in some partners for smaller stakes down the road for strategic reasons. Um, I think he's got a lot of his liquidity from from one of the companies he owns and some stuff from crypto as well. So maybe Kutch, we do a, an explainer pod on crypto at some point. I don't know, but um, yeah, I did. Yeah, I've done a few of those. <laughs> he's also <laughs> talked about the stadium. Of course, he was just asked, "Can a deal be done for the stadium?" And he said, "Yes." Derby City Council have been instrumental in me coming back. They'll be a great ally for us as we re- as we rebuild the club. He talks about what points total will start on next season. He said that's still to be decided. He said he said they're still talking to the league and waiting for a decision on that. Yeah, funding again. He, he was just asked, I wasn't really sure about this comment, but he, he was just asked, are you worth more than 5 million? And Kirchner replied, well, I paid cash for my plane and it's worth about 22 million. So yes, hmm, you know, <laughs> fine, whatever. Um, look, as I said, he was out. Others were in. Then they were out. Now he's back in. Jimmy, how surprised were you to hear that Chris Kirchner 
is now Quantuma's preferred bidder and the possible next owner of Derby County. I was very surprised when the news broke. I mean, rumours were swirling, but if we all took notice of Derby County rumours in various WhatsApp groups and so on, I don't think any of us would get much work done. So massively surprised, tweeted at the time, the kind of looking eyes emoji, because it just seemed to have come from absolutely nowhere again. And so I think it's a... um, you know, it, it was undoubtedly a, a kind of a big shock and it has all seemed to have happened very quickly. That seems He seems to have said that himself as well in the various threads and so on, that, yeah, it's all kind of come back from nowhere. And I think your point about the club being worth a lot less than it was kind of at Christmas time is, is a pretty major factor in it. I don't really understand that, though, because you're not... The, the price isn't the price has never been reflective of what you're getting is it like the price is paying off creditors to a certain percentage and that hasn't changed you've actually just got lost less assets to work with once you get hold of it so maybe the admins have just had to lower their expectations maybe that's what it means and they've had to lower the expectations to say okay we are we're not going to hit the 25 percent um threshold that we need for unsecured creditors so we're going to have to start asking those questions we're going to have to go back to people that maybe can pay that kind of money so maybe that's what that's what changed it but you're getting a lot less than what you got if you've got this deal done in december aren't you you've, you've lost half the squad um you're now almost guaranteed relegation whereas you know in december and early january we, we were kind of on the crest of a wave and if we just felt that if we had a buyer in we could keep the squad maybe even bring in a couple of loans or a free agent here and there it might have made a difference so he he must be incredibly frustrated that they kind of poo-pooed his bid or rejected his bid back in in December and now they've come back to him I imagine they've come back to him cup in hand saying do you still want a piece of this because he was obviously looking at other clubs he was looking at Preston North End that didn't that didn't go through for whatever reason and there's obviously two sides of that story Preston a briefing one side that he kind of was a time waste or he didn't come up with a business plan or he wasn't showing proof of funds and and Chris is side of that is is very different i mean the gary cook thing is i think encouraging gary cook's a, a pretty serious guy in in the world of sports management obviously former ceo of manchester city he was the person that essentially brought in the, the guys from abu dhabi um he did also work with taskin shudawatcha which wasn't such a great move so i think there's maybe a small red flag there but he was a, a serious person at nike working with michael jordan as well and there's some great podcasts i think the athletic business of sport podcast had an interview of gary cook at the start of the year maybe december or january and he just referenced the, the derby deal at the end, end of that podcast it's worth listening to to gary cook i think it's good that chris kirchner wants to have someone like gary cook in the seat to run the club day to day and obviously chris kirchner's got other businesses and he won't be at derby full-time which i think is a good thing mel was far too involved in the day-to-day running of the club for his own for his own good and for the club's own good quite obviously so i think i think there are some i think there are some positive signs there obviously there's a long way to go i imagine there'll still be some more twists and turns but look it's it's incredible that we've got someone that wants to buy the club and and and, and possibly work with the council on a, on a solution for the stadium yeah jimmy um coach has talked about the the preston scenario there which is quite an odd one it is quite strange like as we know Kirchner did bid for us then withdrew then was linked to a takeover of Preston North End as recently as the end of March and we're now only in early April a Preston source told Kieran Maguire on his Price of Football podcast that they didn't feel that Kirchner had the money but Kirchner addressed this in in his Twitter Q&A I feel like we're going to be saying Kirchner Twitter Q&A quite a lot over the next few weeks and months. But he was asked, well, he, he said in response, we, we found things in diligence 
that didn't match what we expected and ultimately couldn't come to a deal. And basically a Preston fan put it to him, said, look, I'm glad you didn't take us over. I don't think you clearly haven't got, you've clearly haven't got the money. And uh, Kirchner said to that, let's be hypothetical. Have you ever, I'm paraphrasing, have you ever bought a car? If someone raises the price halfway through the deal by 10% over what you had agreed and then forces you to buy options and packages you don't want or need with the car, would you buy it? So I know there's two sides to every story, as Kutch has alluded to there, but how concerned are you about Kirchner's failed takeover of Preston with regards to what he might do to our club? I would like to see him do some more kind of long form interviews, uh, you know, maybe with some independent Derby County podcasts. <laughs> do you know any? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, kind of setting out these views about it because I still don't quite understand why somebody in their mid 30s from the United States wants to buy a second tier English football club that's about to become a third tier team I I just I don't quite get it and he hasn't convinced me of that I wouldn't be that keen on buying the kind of you know Austin Power Rangers or you know whatever they're called in the United States (laughs) what is that hate to break it to you Jim I don't don't think they're a real sports team they probably are in the (laughs) States right you know the way they call these things and I just I don't I don't kind of get it. And I think there is a bit of a culture clash. Like I think there's a lot that could be learned from American sport in terms of the commercialization of it and so on. A huge amount of Derby County could learn from that. I don't get why he wants to do it. I don't get why he wanted Preston and why he's kind of back at, at Derby. He's kind of yet to sort of convince me of that. And for me, that's the kind of most, the sort of the, the biggest red flag is, is, is why would you want to want to do this? Yeah, well, I mean, all I've really got on that is is I did revisit the open letter that he wrote to Derby fans um, after his first initial bid in November or whenever it was, or October. Um, and he said, buying a club like Derby is a dream come true. And he, he, he alluded to his dad or his family getting him into, into football, as in proper football, not American football futuristic rugby football and he yeah it, it just seems like he's he's a soccer fan he's a big fan of the of the the derbyshire goats whatever so um <laughs> yeah I, I i'm i'm as i'm i'm in the same boat as you as it's not immediately clear what his motives are and you do lose a lot of the nuance and you don't get any real detail when you're trying to fit these answers into 280 characters on twitter do you coach no you don't and i think i think i agree that he, he it would be nice to see him do something more long form i'd also be perfectly happy with him not saying anything to anyone between now and completing the deal yeah. i think that's also fine i'm not saying it's bad what he's doing i think the way that he dealt with the q a on friday night was was pretty good and much more professional than some of his previous twitter kind of inputs but i i don't think it's as complicated as what you two are making out i, I think you're buying the club for money i think most people who aren't multi-millionaires or billionaires buy football clubs because they think they can they can they can flip it and he's kind of hinted at a five-year plan he's obviously talking to gary cook he's supposedly got some kind of links with paul stretford that might just be through gary cook as well but i think he sees in derby in a way he probably doesn't see in preston he probably sees a team that has got a good academy the the midlands is a great ground for it's not just derby in the midlands that has a good academy that's no coincidence the midlands produce a lot of good footballers locally and you've got a category one, a category one academy. You've got the infrastructure there in a way that Preston hasn't got. And he's probably looking at it and going, 
I if I with the right person running it, which he obviously thinks is Gary Cook, and some and some clever business decisions, we could be challenging back at the top end of the championship or or already promoted in the Premier League within five or six years. Um, and then I can sell this for a hundred million pounds. What does actually reassure me by having someone who ha- hasn't got loads of money, maybe he's, he's sitting on 30 million pounds of crypto assets, right? If that's the case, and he wants to buy Derby County and see if he can flip it and have a bit of fun along the way, I can kind of see the logic in that. If he's already got a, a successful growing business on the side, which will be his kind of more stable, reliable, he thinks is a safe bet income. I, I can see why he'd, he'd see the opportunity to flip it. So if, look, all the stuff about, I think his, his, his family is obviously South American. I think his dad's South American and, and obviously being into, into football, uh, I, that might all be true. The stuff about loving Derby and all that stuff, that's just stuff to please the fans. And I'll, 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 I'll fall for it. I'll happily fall for it. But I think ultimately <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a business decision, which probably isn't a bad thing. I get that logic. And I just, but I would rather it be, sort of straightforward with that and, and say that, look, you know, Derby County are about to go into the third tier. Um, that is the historic low that they have ever been. I am buying at the bottom of the market. Yeah. You know, and a bit more of that. I mean, I think this is the, this is a problem with football owners more broadly, right? It's like the fans kind of want them to be fans, but actually that doesn't necessarily lead to the best running of a football club. And Mel Morris is a, a kind of an amazing example of that, of where it kind of is an absolute ends up being a, catastrophe because yeah if you put it down on paper like mel morris is almost like the kind of like perfect owner and look where that ended up so i think it's really hard to kind of judge these things because what we're essentially discussing here is like do we think that um chris kirchner will make a good custodian of, of derby county and i think a lot of that is is very difficult to judge i think one of the interesting things that he did say on the twitter q a was like you know I'm, I'm kind of probably in this for 10 to 15 years and then i'll hand it over to someone else. And actually, I kind of, you know, I I sort of respect that kind of honesty and things a little bit more. But I do think the the sheer volume of statements that he's coming out with does make it quite hard to kind of crystallise the the sort of purpose of, of why he's doing this. Yes, I just need you to follow me back on Twitter and then I will put the ask in. Um, um, Well, Kirchner has talked about it being a long-term project, but he then also said in in answer to another another tweet, like, you know, we might start next season at minus 15. Surely the, the realistic short-term goal is just survival, staying out of League Two. And and he said, he said, you know, goal one will be to rebuild the organization. Goal two will be to win League One next year. So I can't work out if he's like if he if he's incredibly ambitious or wants a sustainable Derby County and a, and a slow burn build. It's difficult to tell, but maybe part of it is sort of also trying to tell the fans what they want to hear as well. I mean, I looked at the whole points deduction issue and it seems like I personally would be incredibly surprised if we managed to pull it off and, and convince the league to give us the deduction this season when we're basically relegated already because it would be a, a pointless points yeah. deduction almost. So chances are... It's going to happen next season. And yeah, historically, that doesn't work out well for teams. The only glint of light is that Leeds, of all teams, did actually reach the playoff final in League One after starting on minus 15. They won their first seven games in a row in the season, effectively wiping out the points deduction. But then they did lose in the playoff finals to Doncaster, which seems quite an on-brand thing that we would do in the same situation. <laughs> yeah. Look, there is. It's, it's not all doom and gloom. 
is what I'm saying. Although I guess Leeds did have a fully functioning actual team of 11 players at the time. So it's difficult to compare. I was just going to, and I was just going to add on that as well, Kutch, that a lot of people seem to be saying, look, he's 34. He hasn't got the experience, but he's not going to be Amal Morris who's, who's, who's watching training every day and telling Rooney who to buy and this, that and the other. Like he is the money. Gary Cook is the man on the ground in the office running the club every every day in you know at Pride Park and Moor Farm and as Kutch has said before, Cook's a really experienced operator. I'd be pretty happy with him at the helm, really, from his background. Like he's sixty four, as as Kutch said, he was like at the top of the tree at City when they were sold to Sheikh Mansour's group. He was like instrumental in bringing in the likes of Tevez and Rubinho and. Pablo Zabaleta and Vincent Company to City. And then after that, he ended up having a very high ranking role at, uh, at UFC, of all places, running part of their uh, EMEA mm. operation. So I'd have no concerns at all about Gary Cook being being part of it. And I'm actually quite excited by that, Kutch. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and I think what really stood out to me when he was on the Athletic podcast back in January, and maybe Chris, we can post a link to that on our, on our Twitter or, or put it in the notes, but was he was talking about, he really spent a lot of time talking about how when he was there with Task and Shinawatra, he was the one leading the charge to kind of go and find the next buyer when when Taskin needed to get out. And the way he went about that and presented to people was was very very impressive. The way that he sold the sold the idea of the club and 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 the uh, potential of the club and the city of Manchester. And that what stood out to me about that was I see that's obviously what he's going to be doing for Chris Kircher in five years' time. I think that's the plan. I think they think they can build something in five years which which is appealing and they can then sell on. Uh, to someone else and whether that's as I said at the top end of the championship or, or in the Premier League so I think that's the ultimate plan and that's obviously where I think a lot of his strength lies which which I think is a good thing right because you only sell it on at a profit if you do well and and that's why I don't mind him not having that much money because he hasn't got like Mel he can't spend loads of money which is unsustainable and run up uh, huge tax bills which is you know immoral he, he hasn't got the money to do that so I think it will be a more sensible rebuild. It, it might not be as quick as people want, and it might not be as quick as Chris Kirchner wants, but I think that's ultimately what they're going to try and do. So the waiting game starts here, Jim. Um, a couple of months, I think, we're looking at of incredibly boring phrases like due diligence and fit and proper and all that sort of stuff. And But maybe the, the, the end to the nightmare is in sight. Uh, to wrap things up, will Chris Kirchner be Derby County's owner next season? Will it happen, yes or no? The optimist in me says yes, I think, because there is no other option at the moment, as far as I can see. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that happens. I agree with you, mainly because, yeah, there are other parties, but clearly they've been in the picture for this long. If they were able to satisfy Quantuma, they would have done by now. And yeah, TalkSport are reporting that Mike Ashley is still sniffing around. I mean, I'm no business expert, but it seems to me if you want to buy a club, you do at some point have to actually put a bid in. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the issue. I mean, there, there were claims that Ashley did put a bid in, but that's not what Quantuma was saying. So yeah, I agree with Jim Kutch. I think it is going to be Kirchner. And at the moment, I think I feel okay with that. Yeah, as Jim said, I think it has to be. You know, it has to be Kirchner, right? We're in a position where it has to be. Uh, this deal has to get done. And yeah, maybe Mike Ashley will swoop in if it falls through and he thinks he can get it at even more cut price. But I, I don't really know how that works because essentially the, the administrator's job is to get the best price possible. 
So I don't know how Mark Ashley now gets it at a lower price than what Kirchner gets it for or wants to get it for. The administrators, obviously, for whatever reason, didn't feel they could work with Kirchner in December. Maybe it was just because they wanted more for the club. But they do now obviously see a, a way forward with him. And I think, as we've mentioned before, I think the involvement of Gary Cook means that this guy obviously is more serious than we initially thought he possibly was. And yeah, I think it will get done. Whether or not it gets done in the way or within the time that we want it to be for planning for next season, avoiding minus 15, keeping Wayne Rooney, keeping other young players that are out of contract. You know, that's that's kind of a race against time. That's the kind of this really stressful thing. But I think ultimately it will happen. And uh, yeah, I have my doubts about him, but I'm optimistic that maybe it, it might not be, it might, it might be a decent decent partnership i think that's one of the key things by the way on the kind of like really link yeah we're talking earlier about what are you actually buying when you're buying derby county we're sort of buying more farm a badge and some history at the moment and sort of four five contracted players plus wayne rooney and you know rooney has been pretty adamant in his kind of support for kirchner and for me that's a, a kind of huge tick and a positive because you know i think wayne rooney is a huge part of the kind of rebuilding potential of of derby county wayne seems to have said all these things about him being committed and has fallen in love with the place etc and so that for me is kind of like a, a huge kind of plus of course there are sort of there are various kind of red flags and, and worrying signs um but at the end of the day you know the position that we're in is you know it's either chris kirchner or it's potentially liquidation and not existing anymore and so when you're presented with those two choices you kind of have to compromise on the on the other things you know nothing in life is is going to be perfect and so that is why i'm sort of optimistic about it and the other thing that you're buying when you're buying derby county is a big part of the community and we've all seen that over the last kind of six, nine months, despite the very dark times, is a sense of spirit that you're buying. And he clearly is drawn to that. And I do think it is one of these amazing things, the kind of explosion that we've seen in terms of people working together and so on. We actually interviewed the kind of British leader in the in the metaverse on my Jimmy's Jobs of the Future podcast in the last couple of weeks. And we used the whole Save Derby County campaign as an example of the first few steps that we're kind of seeing in this kind of online world. And I think the way that the city has come together must be a huge reason of why he's he's buying it. And so that makes me optimistic. Yeah, absolutely well said. You know, Kirshen knows what he's buying. It goes without saying that we think Derby are a club worth buying, but hopefully we can get it done and we can look forward rather than looking back and and looking over our shoulder. But we're going to leave it there for now for this episode. As I said, we've come in before our usual sort of two-weekly pattern, but we'll be back after the Easter break, I suspect. Um, Coach, see you at QPR? Yeah, see you at at Loftus Road. And Jimmy, onwards and upwards, it can only get better, right? Yeah, exactly that. Let's see what the last five games brings, and let's try and enjoy it. (laughs) Amen to that. Come on, you Rams. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 